Good morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 13 today. We're uh, kind of took a, a pause to talk about the events that are going on in our world and uh, heard from a missionary that we helped support in China last week. So back into the book of John, uh, John chapter 13. Um, we're going to go through the whole chapter today, which is a big one. So we have a lot of work to do. Um, before we get there, I want to open our minds and our eyes to, to where we're going and what I want you guys to look for, what I think God wants us to look for. Um, and we're going to read a couple of stories in this chapter, and they're going to be familiar to us. But I want us to get, get past what is happening, what Jesus and the disciples are doing, and, and get to the heart of what the qualities and character of Jesus have to be in order to cause him to do the things that he's doing. You follow that? I think if we go there this morning, if we read this chapter and think about this chapter from that perspective, what must be the qualities of Jesus to cause him to want to wash the feet of someone who's going to betray him in just a couple of hours? What, what has to be in him to cause him to want to do that? Um, we, like, we have to respond in worship. We have to respond in obedience. So I want us to, to think past what's the actions and, and into the character, the qualities, the, the motivation of Jesus. And as we do that, see Jesus as the initiator and us as the responder. Jesus initiates and we respond. And that's, that's like the, that's our world, that's our lives. Jesus initiates and we respond. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's get to it. And I know we've prayed a lot already, but I, I want to pray again uh, before we get into the, the scriptures. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to gather around as a group of people in this area to, to study your word. God, we come here in many different circumstances. Some of us excited to hear. Some of us wishing we were at home in bed. Some of us exciting, excited for what's going to happen this afternoon. Father, I pray that you would just cause our minds to center around the beauty of who your son Jesus is. And, and may that change us this morning. God, free us from distraction. Free us from the cares and worries of today. Free us from even the difficulties that our community is, is walking through in these, these recent days. And allow us to see your son filled with mercy, filled with grace, filled with humility and love and serving in the midst of awful circumstances. You're beautiful. We give our lives to you. We give these next few minutes to you. In Christ's name, amen. Um, so, uh, if, if, if your Bible is, is like mine, the, there's a heading there that Jesus washes the disciples' feet. That's where the heart of, of, of where we start this morning. Now, reading from verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, and again, when, he's, when John uses the word hour, he's talking about the point of Jesus' life. Death is about to happen. So his, his, the hour 
when, that John refers to is Jesus' death is about to happen. Before the Feast of the Passover, and the Feast of the Passover is all the Jews come to Jerusalem to celebrate what God did hundreds of years ago. Jesus, in the middle of this festive day, we're celebrating that God provided for us. He knows his hour has come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. One of the things we're going to see over and over again is Jesus is love. Jesus is love. The motivating factor of Jesus in the middle of of all that he does here is love. Verse 2, during the supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God, was going back to God. Jesus knows, like, the, the beautiful part, and this is what I, I want us to see, Jesus knows exactly what is happening and knows what is about to happen and is undeterred by circumstances. And like that, that's got to, there's so many things. We can, we can take example from that and try to operate in our lives undeterred by our circumstances. And that's good for us to do that. But I think what we need to do in this particular case, for us this morning, where I think God is, is moving us, is, is here, to think about what the qualities of Jesus had to be to be so undeterred by these circumstances. He's having his last meal with the people that he spent the last three years with. One of them is going to betray him in three hours, in a few hours, and... He's undeterred and on mission. And, and how that, I, maybe, maybe I'm alone here, but that just makes me want to just, okay, just stop talking and, and sing worship and pray and meditate on the greatness of God, the greatness of Jesus. This is Christ. Don't get lost in what he's doing. Get lost in who he is. Verse 4. Jesus rises from supper and lays aside his outer garments and he takes a towel around his waist and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I want to insert something historically parenthetically here. Jesus is, is a Jew. Jews have slaves in this, era, in this age. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles. Do you know, I found this out this week. I had no idea before I studied this that it was against the law for a Jewish slave owner to require a Jewish slave to wash his feet. The task was too menial, too disrespectful, too degrading for a master to command his slave to perform it on him. So Jesus, operating under that set of laws, places himself under these people who are less than him and he washes their feet. Humility. Do we, many times when I use the word humility in relationship to Christ, we think of humble, but the the root of what's happening here is Jesus is humiliating himself. When I say humble, you think of something When I say humiliating, you think of something altogether different, right? 
Jesus is humiliating himself. He's doing something not even a slave was required to do. To people that will run from him, deny him, run away from him, and betray him. Like there's, there's nothing below you. Because there was nothing below Jesus. What, qual- what has to be present in this guy to do this? Get past the action into the heart of who he is. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wipe the disciples' feet. Reading in verse 5. And to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Like, why are you are the master? I should be washing your feet. Jesus answered him, what am I doing, what I am doing, you do not understand, but afterwards you will understand. Peter, impetuous and bold Peter, says, You shall never wash my feet, Jesus. And by the way, just like parenthetically here, Peter's boldness and impetuousness and his his brash, like inappropriateness is going to serve him well in a few weeks from what happens here. So I want you to know that, that there are qualities that happen in you that need to be like, maybe I need to suppress that. Maybe Peter probably does need to suppress this here. But in a few weeks, he's going to stand before the Sanhedrin, the very people that killed Jesus, and rely upon that bold, impetuous nature that God gave to him and proclaim to those guys, the guy you killed Jesus is the guy by whose name I healed that man. So God put personality in you for a purpose. Don't repress it. Don't suppress it. So back to the story. Verse 8. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Jesus swings the pendulum, or Peter swings the pendulum to the complete other direction. Well then, wash all of me then. Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus says, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. In other words, like, Peter, relax. I, I'm, I'm, I got it, all right? Just relax. I'll take care of you. But I, I think the, the interesting part here is that what comes behind the comma, and we miss it because we, we look at the action of Jesus, like he's engaged in a conversation with Peter. But what comes behind the comma in verse 10, but not every one of you. This is, this is grace, this is love, this is humility, this is Jesus. Judas, like first of all, Jesus is really not supposed to be washing these men's feet because he is here and they are here and he's placing himself here. Jesus doesn't need to be doing this. But 11 of these guys will give their lives, well, 10 of them, 10 of these 12 guys will actually die for the sake of Christ. John is the only one who doesn't. The the 12th is is Judas, who will betray Jesus 
And here is unbelievable grace. Jesus washes Judas' feet hours before he does the most horrific event that any of the disciples could ever think of doing. Jesus is washing his feet. That is grace. It is what has to be present in Jesus to forgive that, and not just forgive that, but before he actually does it, forgive it. And do this humiliating act to him. It's profound. And Jesus is initiating this, and we only respond to it. I've, like, rise up, and there's nothing below you. And, and more than that, there's nothing that you have done that, that is going to keep Jesus from washing your feet, from humiliating himself for your good. Nothing. If he can do this for Judas, just a like, what are you going to be doing in three hours? You're going to be denying, you're going to be giving the sovereign God-man in the flesh on this planet, you're going to be giving him to people who are going to kill him for 30 pieces of silver? No. Jesus still washes his feet. Like, I keep talking about this. I got, you're like, okay, we get it, Rick, move on. But no, don't ever move on. Jesus. Where was I? Yes, that's exactly where I was. Well done. Let's go to verse 11. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Like, I try to be good. I I try to be good. I could never be that good. What must the qualities of this guy be to know and still do what he did? And I wish we had an ability to understand the depth of the humiliation that it was to wash feet. I wish you had a pastor who was articulate enough to convince you of that. Verse 12, when he washed their feet, when he willingly placed himself as their servants and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what it is that I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Let me say that again. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. If I'm your Lord and your teacher, and I've washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Serve. Humiliate yourself. Love. I want to pause for just one second, and I want to pray again, and, and I want you to tune out my voice and, and ask God where you're supposed to serve. Jesus just told you to. 
God, please show us, each of us, where to serve, how to serve. Willingly, humiliatingly, lovingly serve because you served us first. God, I pray right now specifically for every mind listening to this message that you would bring a name, a face, a community, a classroom, a child, a husband, a wife, a parent, a neighbor. You would bring specifics to mind. Not only a specific person, but a specific way to serve. And God, as you've initiated in us, we would respond to do it. God, give us courage, give us strength, give us opportunity to do what you've called us to. May we do it out of response to your love. Amen. Verse 15, for I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Like sometimes commands in scripture are a little bit confusing. You got to be dumb not to understand what he's just telling you to do. And I'm dumb and I still understand it. Verse 15, let me read it again. For I have given you an example... Does everybody know what an example is? I'm going to do this so that you'll know what you're supposed to do. I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. That Greek word that is translated in verse 16 as messenger is apostolos. Sounds like apostle, right? That's what it is. You are, you are sent by God with a specific message to say to a specific people. That's what is meant by the word messenger, apostolos. That he's talking to these 12 guys, and we can parenthetically insert ourselves into this conversation. He's speaking to us. I've served you so you would go and, and speak my message to people in contexts which I've placed you and which I'm sending you to. Do you realize that you are a messenger of Jesus? Sent to speak things, to do things, to be things in the context that God has placed you. And again, it's, it's not about the action of Jesus. It's about who Jesus is that makes him do these things. Jesus has done the same to you and for you and probably more importantly as a messenger in you. Verse 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Another dumb guy alert. If you know these things and no longer does anybody have an excuse, we've all like... Like it's here, you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to do. And then if you do them, what happens? Blessed. 
verse 18. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate the bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. He's kind of speaking a little bit confusing and they're wondering what's going on. Verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Again, there's our sent word, a messenger word. We are sent with a particular message to particular people. Verse 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. I want to connect a little bit here with Jesus. Troubled in his spirit. This is God in the flesh. Stressed. Like, we live so clearly in a broken world where broken people do broken things to each other and break the world even worse. Jesus is entering into, has, has entered into that same brokenness. We, like, Jeff talked about earlier, we're, like, we think that history is happening to us. History has happened, like, there have been greater atrocities on our planet than what's happened in Ferguson. And God remains faithful in the middle of all of them. And Jesus has had a greater atrocity done to him. And he remains faithful. This is our God. And it's troubling to him. Have you been troubled this week? Have you been troubled this month? I hope so. If so, you and Jesus connect here. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of the disciples whom Jesus loved, this is the humble John. He never refers to himself as John. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So John was reclining at the table close to Jesus. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. Which is like, Peter was just bold and impetuous. Now he's a sissy. You ask him. He loves you, John. So the disciple, leaning back against Jesus... Like, just get the picture, the, the physical picture of that. The disciple leaning against Jesus. Like, they're physically, t- there's love that's shown and present. Having dinner, leaning against him. Like, do you, get, you guys with kids, has this ever happened to you? One of your kids just won't stop touching you? Like, like before church is, when it, like you guys are singing and, and I'm preparing to, to preach back there, Mia's back there just like spinning and holding and like wanting, and like, it's because she loves me and she wants to be, and like here is, this is this connection here. It's a, it's a silly detail, but it, it captures my, my imagination. John leaning back against Jesus. 
said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So he dipped the morsel and he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. I'm thinking, okay, it's Judas. These other dudes don't, I, I've never understood how that, like, how you miss that. Gee, like, okay, Rick, I'm going to give this to the person that I'm talking about. And I give it, to, like, okay, it's Amanda. Right? It's, it's, it's logical, right? I don't, but then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered him. What you're going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that it was because Judas had the money bag. Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast. Or that he should give something to the poor. I mean, it's, it's being silly. We're chuckling. You know, they're dumb. But like... You have the right to be dumb. You're going to miss what God is calling you to do. And here's the beautiful part is, God still will use you and redeem your dumb. Seriously, that is, whoever just said amen over here should have said it louder. And you guys should have said, yeah, amen. Because you're all, we're all dumb. So after receiving, verse 30, so after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, now the son of man, now is the son of man glorified. When we hear glorified, we're going to hear it a few times. It's living in, carrying out your intended purpose. Now the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. A lot of living on purpose. Verse 33, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me just as I am with you. I'm sorry, you will seek me just as I am, said the Jews, said to the Jews. So now I, am, I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I have loved you. And you also are to love one another. A lot of confusing stuff from Jesus there to say what he said at the end. A commandment I give to you, love people like I'm loving you right now. Like that face, that name that we just prayed about. Serve, love, humiliate yourself before them. It's what Jesus just told you to do. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Like one of the things I get really aggravated about in our world is Christians who do stupid things and post stupid things on Facebook and say stupid things and do stupid things. It, it literally drives me crazy. It makes me want to punch people. But like, how am I much different than that? 
love the way Jesus loved. And watch the way Jesus loves here. Verse 38, verse 36, I'm sorry. My eyes are 43 years old. I don't see sixes and eights much differently when they're small. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. Peter said, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And you know what's coming. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Impetuous, bold, excited Peter. And I'm sure Peter believed it when he said it. And I'm sure in a second we're going to stand and and pray. And and I'm sure in the middle of this message today, you've thought great thoughts about Jesus and and been moved. I've looked you in the eyes. You've been crying, thinking about who Jesus is. And, and that changes you. And you want to go out and worship him. And you want to go love people the way that Jesus... You want to go and do this. You see this loving, graceful, awesome, merciful, and just God. And you want to do what he's calling you to do. You want to love people the way that he loved you. But you know what? You're a failure. Do you know what that does to Jesus? I'm still going to go do what I'm supposed to go do. Circumstances are irrelevant on the mission of Jesus Christ. He's just washed the feet of a guy who will deny him three times. He's just washed the feet of the guy who's going to set the whole plan in a purpose, in a, in a motion. He, unwavering in his, in his mission. This is your Christ. This is your Savior. This is Jesus. And he rises from that place and he goes to die. A brutal and ugly death. Let's pray and let's respond to our God. Oh, you are beautiful, God. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus. Christ, Lord, Savior, holy, anointed one, filled with love, filled with humility, serving us when we don't deserve it, dying, living the life we should have lived and dying the death we should have died, Jesus. God, we have seen your glory this morning. We have seen your perfect love in the form of your son, Jesus. You have initiated. Now we respond. We love you. We give our lives and we give these moments to you. In Christ's perfect name, I pray. Amen.